Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. My name is Augie Pullman. Next week, I start fifth grade. And since I've never been to real school before, I'm pretty much totally petrified. I'll see you later. Augie, you don't want to walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but... Technically, most dads aren't. Neither are these helmets. Dear God, please make them be nice to him. I know I'm not an ordinary 10-year-old kid. I've had 27 surgeries. They've helped me to breathe, to see, to hear without a hearing aid, but none of them have made me look ordinary. The incubator, bunch of murders. Oh, and this is an eraser. You know what an eraser is, right? Look at his face. I've never seen anything that ugly in my life. If I looked like him, I'd swear. I'd put a hood over my face. I know you don't always like it, but I love it. It's my son's face. You are not ugly, Augie. You just have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most. Hi. You don't have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. You don't have to pretend is all I'm saying. Augie! Okay, I'm really sorry. Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. Who is it that I aspire to be? That is the question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. Hey, Jack, come sit here. In a sec. I'd like to be able to control the weather. That would be your superpower? That sounds pretty lame. What would you do? I'd be invisible. You're the toughest kid in that school. Show them. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. You ever thought about having plastic surgery? Dude, this is after plastic surgery. It takes a lot of work to look this good. I hear a clap already. Well, good morning. My name is Life Anderson, the executive pastor here, and it's so good to have each of you this morning. If you're new with us or have been coming for a while, I'd like to invite you next Sunday, right after the second service, we'll have a luncheon called Discover GCC, and it's just a chance for you to get to know us as a church and for us to get to know you better. Um, you can go to our website and register, and we'd love to love to have you. Well, we are now in our third week of At the Box Office. We're looking at Hollywood movies for holiness themes. We've looked at Collateral Beauty, The Shack, and now Wonder. This is a story of a boy named August Pullman, nicknamed Augie. As you can see from the trailer, he's had significant surgeries that have disfigured his face and brought on a lot of bullying and abuse from his friends and, in, and from his classmates. This movie challenges its viewers with how to really love someone that looks different and acts different. Many of the characters in the film just went through the motions in their love towards Augie. They tried to look good or be good, but in the end, their actions left kind of a selfish intent to them. The Israelites, God's chosen people, struggled with this same thing. They kept thinking God wanted them to do certain rituals, 
So they did so in order to look good and feel good in front of him. But because they became so preoccupied with what they were doing, they neglected to really love each other well. Let's take a look at Micah 6, 6 through 8. This is going to be familiar to many of you because it's part of our vision statement at the last verse there in, in verse 8. But it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. We see here in verses 6 and 7, the Israelites are exaggerating what they think God wants. They want to look good to God. They only needed to offer up one ram or one portion of olive oil. But they get into thousands and ten thousands. They're talking about giving up their firstborn for God. Our minds can easily go to religious rituals like, like what we see here with the Israelites when it comes to what we think God requires of us. Going to church, taking communion, being baptized, giving money for offering, or even just serving in the church. The Life Application Bible states this, religious rituals can help us understand God and nourish our relationship with God, but a religious ritual is helpful only if it is carried out with an attitude of love. It all goes back to love in our heart. Two common themes from this fall when we did the series, What Lies Beneath. And this flows right from this scripture. Our big idea this morning is this. Genuine love flows from our heart into action. Micah 6.8 lays out three distinct actions he's calling I want to share our church vision as well so that you can see how these dovetail together because this verse is in our vision statement. We see an emotionally healthy church filled with fully surrendered Christ followers whose hearts are set ablaze to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. This is what we want our church to embody. All of us. The church isn't a building. It's, it's me. It's you. It's us all gathering together to begin to embody and grab a hold of these three actions and what they might look like right here in our community. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. Say those three with me. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Let's try that again. Ready? One, two, three, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. Well, let's go to the first one here. What does it mean to act justly? In this next clip, next clip you're going to see Jack, Augie's friend, struggling with how to act justly and not get swept up with the crowd. Watch the screens with me. 
Okay, now that we've finished our tests, I want you all to start thinking about our fifth grade science fair project, which you will need to work on to have ready after spring break. Okay, now it could be about anything. Just make sure the Create something you're excited about, something you're proud to show. Mr. Will? Mr. Will? Something more important to think about? No. So, it'll be teams of two. Your partner will be your table mate. Uh, Miss Potosa? I know we're supposed to be in pairs, but Jack Amos and I had a science fair project idea that we wanted to work on together. Okay, maybe uh, we can switch. No. Sorry? What? No, um, it's, it's okay. I'll stay with who I've got. I'll stick with Augie. Hey, what did you do that for? Dude, I don't want to switch. Why not? Do you really want to be partners with that freak? <laughs> Dear Mr. Tushman, I'm very sorry for punching Julia. It was wrong of me to do that. I know you may need to expel me, but I'd still rather not say why I did what I did. It might get Julia in trouble too, and that's not fair. Sincerely, Jack Will. Dear Mr. Will, one thing I've learned in 20 years in education is that there are two sides to every story. So I think I can imagine what started the fight. While nothing justifies striking another student, I know good friends are worth defending. So, after your two-day suspension, your scholarship will be waiting for you. Just keep up the good work and keep being the fine boy we all know you to be. Sincerely, Mr. Tushman. Well, this scene gets me every time. I remember when Gene and I went to see this at the uh, theater, and I'm like, I'm Jack. Uh, when I was growing up, my twin brother uh, had a heart defect. He was much smaller and slower, and he would often get teased and bullied and beat up uh, by other kids. Nowhere near to what Augie went through, but it just, boom, it just connected my heart. You know those times when you watch those movies and it just takes you right back into time? And I had to fight for Lance. And there's many, many times that um, after I fought, just like what was seen here, I got discipline. And my discipline was to go and sit in the principal's office with Mr. Hines, our principal, and let's just say him and I got to be really, really good friends because God used that in me as a young age to really stand up for justice, to really build a conviction, to fight for the dignity of another human being, especially this being my brother. This action to act justly means to do what is fair and right, 
It's to do the right thing. It's a, it's a willingness to fight and defend and sacrifice when injustice takes place. It means going against the crowd and not letting the majority sway you. Let's take a look at Exodus 23 too. It says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. And do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. To pervert justice is to go with the crowd as we see here. It's to show favoritism in doing wrong. When you act justly, those you love, family, country, each other, are worth fighting for. You defend them. And it requires often sacrifice, sometimes great sacrifice. For me, as I shared, it was the principal's office and I couldn't go out to recess. But for someone like Dr. Martin Luther King, it cost him his very life. He had a dream to see justice in America, especially for the African-American and all people here in America. It was a dream to act justly through nonviolence. So there's a time to fight, but most of the time, the best way to love and act justly is through nonviolence, as Dr. King modeled and as Jesus modeled throughout the Gospels. In Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, he shares his dream for justice. He says, I say to you today, my friends, that in spite of the difficulties and the frustrations of the moment, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and, and will rise up and live out of the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will gather together and sit down at a table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, a desert state, sweltering with the heat of injustice and oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. This is one of the most powerful speeches when it comes to acting justly. And in this area of race, we've made some progress, but we also have a long way to go. So as a church, God is calling us to act justly. And I wonder, I wonder what are those issues in our community where injustice has left a vacuum and God would like us to fill it with his justice? What issues come to mind? What are the injustices that you are familiar with? In my mind, as I ponder that question, I go to the area of oneness. I go to the area of, of racism that's still around us. We need to draw 
together in relationship and seek to understand those of different cultures and different races before we are understood. My mind goes to sexual harassment, which has been all over the news. How can we become more aware and take a stand in this area? And then my mind goes, especially from this movie Wonder, to bullying. Who will have the courage to stand up in our schools for those that are different and those that are being mistreated? God is calling Grace Crossing Church to act justly right here in Beaver Creek in the Dayton area. Let us be in prayer to move as he leads us. And I really feel as we move out, it will require some type of sacrifice. The second action God requires of us is to love mercy. Let's watch this next clip describing Augie's mom and the mercy she has for her son. Please make them be nice to him. Hey, Jack, come sit here. In a sec. Hey, Mom, is it okay if Jack comes over? I got to be cool. Look at me. We all have marks on our face. This is the map that shows us where we're going. And this is the map that shows us where we've been. You really are a wonder, Augie. There's nothing like the mercy of a mother's heart. And in this clip, we see that Augie's mom has a tremendous love and mercy for her son. I don't know if you caught it, but what she said was she's trying to come into his world and show him how to navigate this world with the disfigurement that he has. And she said, this, this is the map that shows us where we're going, the heart. We talked about that. God, you, God speaks and moves through our heart. And then she said, this is the map that shows us where we've been. I love that. She was always for her son and coming alongside of him to bring some relief to some extent of what he was going through. You know, this word mercy comes from the Hebrew word hesed. It's a loaded word and it can't be translated in the, into English. It needs a lot of words. It needs a lot of definitions. It's often translated in our Bibles as loving kindness or kindness. It's a strong covenant love that cannot be broken like a mother's love for a son or God the Father's love for us as his sons and daughters. It's a word that means to bring relief. Relief to the anguish of unfair treatment. Relief for grief from loss. Relief from struggling with a handicap. Release, relief from suffering. Relief from misery of guilt. Rex Andrews in his book, What the Bible Teaches About Mercy, he expands on this definition and says this. Mercy is God's supply system for every need everywhere. That's powerful. That's why in the Gospels, when people cry out to Jesus and just say, have mercy on me, they don't even know what they need, but they're just asking Jesus to supply what they need at that moment. That's why we see that, that being asked a lot. Rex Andrews goes on to say, mercy is kindness and compassion 
It's tenderness, which is a passion to suffer with or participate in another's ills or evils in order to relieve, heal, and restore. Mercy accepts another freely and gladly as he is and supplies the needed good of life to build up and to bring to peace and to keep in peace. Mercy takes another into one's heart just as he or she is and cherishes and nourishes them them there. These are powerful statements about mercy. And to love mercy means to embrace this type of kindness and to carry it out with action. It reaches out in action to those that don't deserve it. Much like us, we didn't deserve God's love or God's mercy in our own sin, but yet he reached out and he met us with his love and mercy and forgiveness as we heard earlier. It's just like the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, who extends love and help, money and relief to a stranger that was hurting and had great needs. Well, as you think about this word mercy and what it means to love mercy, as a church, I wonder, who are those people who have been wrecked by wrongs done to them or broken by sin and unforgiveness, but whom God is calling us to show mercy for Jesus' sake? Who comes to mind? God desires us to show his love by this action of loving mercy. The third action that God requires of us is to walk humbly with our God. In this clip, you're going to see Augie going to his first day of school. And Augie's dad comes alongside of him in a very humble way. And has a man-to-man talk to help him have the courage to walk into this first day of school. Let's watch this clip. I'll meet you right here after school. Okay? Right here. I love you. Love you too. I'll see you later. Can you hear me? They stare, let them stare. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. We're gonna have a little man to man. Now, I gotta stop here because past this point is a no dad zone and you don't wanna walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't, so neither are these helmets. Two rules. First, only raise your hand once a class, no matter how many answers you know, except for science. Crush the whole. Check. Second, you're gonna feel like you're all alone, Augie, but you're not. Check. Should we lose this? Come on. Costumes are for Halloween. Prepare for blast off. Have fun. Bye. Have an excellent mission and Godspeed. We 
are ready to proceed at this time. Dear God, please make them be nice to you. That one really grabs the heartstrings, doesn't it? In this scene, Augie's dad is lighthearted and doesn't take himself or Augie too seriously. That's how the message translates walk humbly in Micah 6.8. It says, don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. He lightens it up with the, the no dad zone. I love that. And then he says, I know I'm cool, but technically most dads aren't. So he brings that lightheartedness, but he also brings this balance of honesty with Augie. He tells him, only raise your hand once in class, except for science. Crush him. But he also connects with his heart when he says, you're going to feel like you're all alone, but you're not. Humility is a balance of not taking yourself too seriously, but still being in reality, the reality of the moment. You notice Augie's dad didn't turn it into just a funny time. He had some humor in there. He had to lighten it up. But he didn't also turn it into this big, heavy talk either. There was this balance going on. Humility is a lifelong pursuit of growing into an accurate assessment of ourselves and of our reality. That is why self-awareness that we've been talking about is key to our emotional health and our spiritual health because God wants us to know and be aware of who we really are. My favorite passage, passage that gets to the core of walking humbly with God is found in Romans 12.3. Here Paul is speaking and he says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. In other words, be true to yourself. So often in life we can take ourselves too seriously or put too much pressure on ourselves. God is asking us to be the best version of ourselves and knowing what our strengths and weaknesses are. It's like a balloon when we think of our view of ourselves. It's like if we overinflate this balloon, we can have the same view of, of, our, of ourselves. We can be overinflated and that comes across very arrogant. Or we can be like a shriveled up balloon laying on the ground and just be, you know, I'm only a worm, I'm horrible, you know, really down. And actually, both of those perspectives are prideful because the focus is in an accurate view of ourselves. God is calling us to be humble and to have the proper assessment of who we are. How do you know if your view of yourself is humble or prideful? Well, as a staff team and elder team, we recently uh, read a book, and the elder team actually is still going through it. But this is an excellent book by Nancy Lee DeMoss called Brokenness. And here she uses the word brokenness in the same way I'm using humility or being humble. It's, it's, it's having a broken heart towards God um, as opposed to a hard heart towards God. But in this book, 
she has some incredible statements and comparisons that will just rock your world. I want to read a few of them. Proud people, she says, feel confident in how much they know. Humble people realize how much they have to learn. Proud people can't bear to fail or for anyone to think they are less than perfect. This can drive them to extremes like a workaholic tendencies or perfectionism or the tendency to drive others or place unrealistic expectations on themselves or others. Humble people can recognize and live within God-given limitations. Proud people are concerned about appearing respectable. They're driven to protect their image and reputation. Humble people are concerned with being real. They care less about what others think than about what God knows. They are willing to die to their own reputation. This humility and pride battle inside of us sometimes is so subtle. But these questions, they just cut right to the heart. And I'd really recommend it if, if some of these questions is stirred in your heart or you're wondering about what's it, what's it mean to walk humbly? I'd really encourage you to get this book. Um, even as a staff team and as elders, we took the opportunity to share where we saw ourselves weak. In fact, this one back here about proud people can't bear to fail or for anyone to think they're less than perfect. I've realized there's tendencies in me of perfectionism. And I'm, 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 I'm beginning to ask God to come into that. There, there's a tendency in me to have a, a strong, critical voice inside that, that's really hard on myself. And as we gathered together as staff and even as elders, we came around to support each other, to pray for each other, to move us to that next step of what it means to be humble or broken, as Nancy Lee DeMoss shares. Well, as a church... I wonder where those places are that God is asking us to humbly walk into, emboldened by his spirit and armed with his grace and love. See, this movie wonder really dovetails nicely into our vision statement at Grace Crossing Church. We want to be a church marked by acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. I just want to take some time here as we bring our service to, the clo to a close to just bow our heads and we're just going to take some time in silent prayer. Please bow your heads and I want to just pose those questions that I've been sharing throughout this message. Bow your heads and ask God this. In regards to acting justly, Ask God, what are those issues in our community where injustice has left a vacuum and God would like us to fill it with his justice? Where does he want us to move here in Beaver Creek in the Dayton area? Take some time to pray about that. And then the next one, love mercy. Ask God, who are those people who have been wrecked by wrongs done to them or broken by sin and unforgiveness? but whom God is calling us to show mercy for Jesus' sake. Take some time to ask them, who, who is it, Lord? Who are you calling me? Who are you calling maybe us as a church to move towards? 
And then thirdly, walk humbly with God. Ask God, what are those places that God is asking us to humbly walk into? Emboldened by his spirit and armed with his grace and his love. Where are those places that he wants us to go? Right around us here in Beaver Creek and Dayton. Let me close this in prayer. Father, our good, good dad, we want to be a church. We want to be a church that embodies our vision and lives it out. We want to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Lord, would you help us stir in our hearts as we pray? Open our eyes to how you want to see us move and be the church in this area and to turn up the temperature in these areas, Lord. We need you. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus that you would lead us with boldness and with courage to where you're calling us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, one last thing before you go. If the Lord is stirring in you, please feel free to bring these to our leadership, either staff, elders, trustees, where you sense God may be stirring and wanting us to go. Thank you so much for being here and have a wonderful morning and afternoon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.